0: even podcasts,
3: whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. I will take a few more calls on this. By the way, um CBS Sports put up a uh, a story of the most valuable player on each NFL team for the 2023-2024 season. I think we've talked about this before, but it's kind of hard to come up with the MVP of this particular season just completed on this team um we will try to do that and i'll read from the story uh here in a little bit but 301-230-0980 301-230-0980 of the 12 postseason nfl games played so far what was the worst loss i think dallas's loss was the worst i'm not talking about score wise i'm just talking about everything I mean, Cowboy fans really thought this was it. Dak was playing at an MVP level. CeeDee Lamb had emerged as an elite wide receiver. Their defense was really good. Um, Micah Parsons, like, I mean, they thought they were going to at least, at least be in the NFC Championship game with a chance at the 49ers again. Remember, they lost to the 49ers early in the year, 42-10. to 10. Um, and they got completely blown out by Green Bay. Uh, I thought that was just devastating, and by the way, stunning the way it, you know, the way it played out in that game. Denton thinks the Baltimore loss was the worst. What do you think? Uh, phone lines are open 301-230-0980. two three zero zero nine eighty. Let's go to Russell. Russell's calling from Delaware. Russell, worst playoff loss.
4: Hey, Kevin. Uh, good morning. It, hey, I have one thing I'd like to digress on for just a moment, if you bear with me. Sure. It was so enjoyable on Friday when you had uh, Bernie Smilovitz on. Yeah, he um, was great. It was great to hear. And it was it was a period of time where the sports journalists, uh, television journalists, were, it was just a great time to be in, in Washington. You had George Michael. You had uh, Bernie. You had uh, Turzok and you had, you know, the the unbelievable Glenn Brenner. And I re, I remember Kornheiser once saying that Glenn Brenner was about the funniest stand-around-at-a-cocktail-party guy he'd ever been around.
3: He's and my all-time he, favorite. Remember, he was my all-time was, favorite. I was a Channel 9 Glenn Brenner guy back when he – um, was doing sports in town. And remember who preceded him, not immediately preceded him, but I think two or three guys before Warner him Wolf. was yeah. Warner Wolf, right? Um, Warner Wolf,
4: absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Washington
3: so... became a real launching pad, you know, for major, you know, network, uh, you know, stars, uh, New York stars too. I mean, Max Robinson, obviously, and others. But, but um, yeah. Uh, Brenner was my guy. I mean, everybody watched George on Sunday night, watched The Sports Machine on Sunday night, but I loved Brenner. And, you know, when Bernie left, Buck really became uh, a legendary, you know, sports guy at Channel 5 too. Channel 5 had two of them in Bernie and Buck. Um, and then Feldy was great for a long period of time too. But, um, yeah, no, that was yeah. the era. Brenner, Herzog, yeah. George, yeah. Bernie, and then Buck. Yeah. No doubt.
4: Yeah, and if you rem- if you remember, you know when tragically when Glenn passed, yeah, um, it was it was a devastating blow for the entire community. I mean, everybody was just uh, you know in shock. And I remember Ken Meese sitting at the, at the desk, uh, you know, describing uh, Glenn jumping into a pool fully clothed at his party, and and he broke down and just sobbed uncontrollably. And it, it, it was a it was a tough time for you know. I, I looked at some of the uh, Uh, tributes to Glenn, actually, on YouTube. Oh, I've seen those before, um,
3: too, yeah. yeah, I mean, he was so close with Gordon Peterson, remember, you know, on that Channel 9 crew. Remember Glenn...
4: He had had, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. He had some funny bits, too. I remember him dumping Gordon Barnes with the check. They had a camera set up in the restaurant, and he he just laughed. Left Gordon Barnes to pick up the check. Um, he was the weather guy. Um, well, Gordon, and, the best uh,
3: with Gordon Barnes is when, <laughs> you know, he had forecasted like you know ten inches of snow and it was sunny and fifty. And they, they, the next night on set, you've got Peterson and you've got uh, Brenner dressed up in parkas with hats. Like, oh my god, it took us three hours to get into the studio. It was one of the funniest bits ever. But correct me if I'm wrong. I think when Glenn passed away very suddenly, you know, at a very young age, he was 43 years old, I think, somewhere around there. It was like a week or two before. The Redskins beat the Bills in Super Bowl Twenty Six. I think it was right I around that time he, that he passed he away.
4: Be, I think, I think, I think Gibbs right. mentions I think right. it, you it know. Was it before or after?
3: I'm looking it up right now. I'm um, looking it up right now. Glenn Brenner. January fourteenth, nineteen ninety-two. Yeah, so it was literally twelve days before Super Bowl twenty-sixth. Because I remember wow. Gibbs mentioning it, you know, in one of his national interviews that he wanted to just mention, you know, yeah. a legendary figure in the DC area passing away, and it was sudden. You know, he he had, I, I he, he was running. He, had a brain, he was a uh,
4: he, had, he had a brain. Yeah, he uh, was running a marathon. And he got ill after that with a, some kind of brain, um, aneurysm or something, or, like or something yeah. like that. Yeah. That
3: was so awful. Anyway,
4: thanks so much for Just me, awful. Thanks so much for letting me share that. Um, no, and, no, no. And uh, Bernie
3: was great. Okay. I had been thinking about Bernie during the Detroit run and I'm like, if they really get you know deep, I'm going to reach out to him. Because I, I don't think I had had Bernie on the show in a decade, probably at least, um, but right. yeah, this you know the story that I told Bernie, and it's a it's a famous story. Ernie Bauer tells it all the time. The legendary Ernie Bauer is at Super Bowl um, twenty two, which was the one in San Diego with the Doug Williams Super Bowl. Uh, all you know, th- these guys were rivals too, especially George and Glenn. You know, um, I think they yeah. respected each other, but they were rivals. But Buck was able, uh, along with Ernie, to put all four of them on a set together on like the Thursday or Friday of Super Bowl week out in San Diego. So it was Brenner, Herzog, George, and um, and Buck. And, and, Buck. and, uh, and Brenner, <laughs> Brenner, who was the quickest of all four of them by far, said one hand oh, yeah. grenade and Harvey Smilovitz is the most popular guy in town. <laughs> yeah. And Harvey was like the <laughs> yeah. weekend guy at Channel 5 for Buck Ants, um and was Bernie's yeah. younger brother. Um, I actually, yeah, that was, that was my first I job. Saw was working for, the,
4: I saw that on the, I saw that on the tribute too. That was really funny. Yeah. Um, and anyway, as far as far as, the, as anyway, thanks again. Um, so Baltimore to me, uh, I agree with that. And, um, they just, and it's not just the way they, it's how they lost too. They were so undisciplined and, and so just out of character in the way that they, um, you know, played this game. It was just, uh, you know, despite all the, you know, the fumble penalties and the sack fumble, but you know, just the undisciplined play was, um, it was astounding
3: to me. Yeah. All right. Thanks so much, Russell. Appreciate right. it. By the way, Denton, I did, I didn't listen to any of that post game because we were already into the NFC championship and I, I made it a point, uh, but of course I, it fell through, but I, I, I wrote down that I wanted to listen to Harbaugh's press conference yesterday, like a day later, to see what he would say about just the way they played, the the offensive play calling in particular. I have no idea did he say did he reveal anything specific about the way they played because it had to be disappointing for him. They were completely undisciplined. They had an offensive game plan that made no sense.
2: Uh, I haven't watched the entire thing. I saw a couple of comments. My guess is if he had any sort of big revelation, we would have known about it next to immediately. It would have been all over the internet. So uh, I would say that he probably didn't give anything, any too much away, so to speak. Yeah.
3: All right, let's go to Robert in Annapolis. Robert, go ahead. Worst playoff. Lo- oh, did Robert drop? Yeah, Robert dropped. All right, uh, let's go to Ian. Ian, go ahead
5: i know when you get those old newscasters there's such a fanboy element of you and i I love it i'm saying it as a compliment i can tell how much buck and that entire era of newscasting means to you so it's just kind of fun to see um well it's
3: not it's not just that i was a fan brenner was my guy by miles um loved glenn brenner but you know, out of Maryland, my first job was at Channel Five, working for Buck and Ernie Bauer, Harvey Smilovitz's uh, Smilovitz, Bernie's brother. Now I only did that for two and a half years, and then I got into a completely different career uh, before I got back into broadcasting. But I got to know a lot of those guys too when I was a you know when I was very young and impressionable. But you're right; it was it was the. Golden age of local news in D.C. And by the way, not just sports. The lead anchors, I mean, Jim Vance, obviously a legend. Doreen Gensler, a legend. Gordon Peterson, a legend. J.C. Hayward, Maureen Bunyan. The weather people. I mean, Bob Ryan's an institution when it came to weather in this town for so many years. Sue the same thing. Um, But anyway, um, yeah, local news became a lot less important a lot less revenue generating as we started to see you know the number of channels increase and obviously since we all became prisoners to our phone in the way that we now consume news and sports and even weather um but anyway go ahead
5: just a side note um In terms of the question, to me it was Baltimore and of course Dallas can be argued because it puts a lot of questions in the franchise. But again, a lot of callers have said second time Lamar's been the one seed at home and we've seen kind of collapse. And again, if you pull up Lamar Jackson and John Harbaugh's Wikipedias on their playoff performances recently, good. And they, of course, are revered as one of the best organizations and one of the best drafters and a coach, and they're tough, and they use analytics, but they are they use their gut. All these narratives, They were there was a confidence that they had, and I think you've touched on this before with Mahomes, is a different level in the playoffs. And we've seen it in the NBA, we've seen it in basketball, we've seen it, or, sorry, in football. And... Level and Mahomes and Andy Reid are on that level, and nobody else is. I mean, think about Kansas City's run; they beat a decent at home. Your your phone's breaking up, man.
3: It's sorry, Ian, but your phone's breaking up a little bit there, Um, and it went on for three or four times. So we'll we'll reconnect. But I, I get your point. Look, Andy Reid is such a fascinating story when you think about it because. Pre-Patrick Mahomes, the discussion about Andy Reid was, he's a really good coach, but he's certainly not an elite coach. You know, he can't win in the postseason. He's not a good game manager, clock manager, gets lost in a lot of those bits. Um, you know, got you know Donovan McNabb definitely to a Super Bowl, but that was after they had lost two straight NFC title games at home. Um, remember, they blew – that playoff game in Kansas City uh, with Alex Smith, they had like a 21 to 3 halftime lead against the Titans in a wild card game. Um, and uh, by the way, when, when Lamar Jackson caught his own pass, it reminded me of that playoff game that I'm, I'm about to reference because Marcus Mariota had the same thing happen to him in that playoff game, Denton, and it was for a touchdown. Mariota had a ball deflected up into the air that he caught and he scored with. And they beat, you know, uh Kansas City um, and then he got Mahomes. Credit to him because he recognized Mahomes and took the big swing moving up in the draft to select him. Uh, but it's amazing what greatness at that position will c- kind of make you feel about the guy that's coaching him uh you know in Belichick's case he had Brady all along and he had had some success in Cleveland taking the Browns to the playoffs one of those years but Andy Reid was really you know I, I want to look at his postseason record before Mahomes before Mahomes 4, 6, 8, 11, 14, um he was eleven and one two three he was 11 and 13 as a playoff coach before Mahomes. 11 and 13. He's now 25 and 16. What's what's really remarkable about Mahomes in this particular postseason is we've seen him on the road now, and everybody said we want to see him on the road, we want to see him away from Arrowhead, see what it looks like that way. And both of these games, uh, he was phenomenal throughout against Buffalo's weak def- defense. He was great early against Baltimore and then became in many ways and this is a compliment he became a manager of the game. I read this stat earlier but in 3 playoff games this year this postseason he has zero turnovers, zero turnover worthy plays according to PFF and 2 sacks. I mean he just doesn't make any mistakes. In the postseason, it's incredible. Uh, I, I, I'm, I think they're going to win. But the, 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 how is he an underdog? Explain that to me. For the third week in a row, too. It just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. By the way, I'm looking at his career in the postseason. He's got seven turnovers and in, in 39 touchdowns and 7 interceptions uh, in the postseason. I don't see his fumble numbers. Um, and his sack percentage is 4.9, but in the last two years, it's 1.9 and 2.9. In the last two years, they won it last year. They're back in it this year. He's got 11 touchdowns, 0 interceptions, and he's been sacked a total of of five times with a sack percentage of 2.4. It's just lights out at the position about as well as you can play it. Um, oh, by the way, he's completed 70% of his passes the last two postseasons as well. Who was Washington's most valuable player this year? The answer next, it's the Kevin Sheehan show on the Team 980, the Team 980 and and the Team980.com.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget.
3: So Sports.com just put a story out uh, this morning, the most valuable player for each team during the 2023 season. And I remember towards the end of the season we were talking about how difficult it would be on a 4 13 football team that you know, essentially went 2 and 13 over their final 15 games to identify a player because they will, they will pick an MVP, I think, typically for the touchdown club or for the uh, the the uh, welcome home luncheon, excuse me, they end up with an offensive MVP, a defensive MVP, and a special teams MVP. I think that's how they do it. And it's like, who are you going to choose? Um, well, uh, CBS Sports, when it got to Washington, selected Terry McLaurin. And what they wrote was as follows. Uh, they wrote is there a more underrated wide receiver in the NFL than Terry McLaurin? The fifth-year veteran continues to produce with less-than-ideal quarterback play, and 2023 was no exception. But those numbers don't even do justice to McLaurin's impact on the offense. That said, with another 1,000-yard season, McLaurin became the first player in franchise history to cross that threshold in four straight seasons um so they selected Terry McLaurin he's certainly one of the very few that you consider you could consider for a team mvp the very few because i came up with basically a list of 3 players that i think you could consider for team mvp anybody else you would just be really reaching Um, And I came up with Brian Robinson Jr., who I think at times was just flat out their best player, Um, Terry McLaurin, and then this one may surprise some of you, but in looking at just the, the actual production and the performance over the 2023 season, my Washington Commanders MVP... Is Sam Cosme. Sam Cosme finished with the fourth highest PFF grade for the 2023 regular season um, per pro football focus. The fourth highest grade of any guard in the NFL. Over the last seven weeks of the season, he had the second highest of any guard in the NFL PFF number. He had some lights out games. And keep in mind, Nobody pass-protected in more games in the NFL this year in dropbacks than Sam Cosme did. Uh, Sam Cosme, the 2021 second-round pick from Texas, uh, played at an M- at a team MVP level this year. He's my choice because if you look at just... The numbers and where they rank among NFL players as a whole, nobody ranks anywhere near where Sam Cosme does for his position on the team. Cosme, the 2023 Washington Commanders team MVP. 301 230 if you want to take a swing at it, we will open the phone lines again who would you vote in this horrific maybe all-time horrific season who would you vote the team's mvp denton who would you select
2: well i do love your pick of sam cosme i don't know if i would have selected an offensive guard for mvp i was
3: especially on that offensive line that everybody thought sucked so much but he played great
2: yeah i heard the offensive line was the worst offensive line that anybody's ever seen ever That's what
3: everybody thought.
2: Um, Yeah. Um, So I I had two names, which also happened to be the other two names on your list of Terry McLaurin and Brian Robinson. I would lean in the direction of Brian Robinson. I thought Terry did have a good year, but there were also a couple of games in there that weren't good. And then, of course, there was that one cardio game. Where he literally didn't have a single catch, so it would be hard for me to say that the MVP of the team won an entire game right. w- without without a catch. So I would lean Bryant Robinson. I thought we really saw him take a step forward. He's still not that that massive home run hitter running, but adding the the pass catching element to his game was huge this year. He had a lot, a lot of big plays catching passes out of the backfield. So that would be my 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 pick here. I thought of maybe. If Quan Martin played a little bit longer, he could be in that conversation, but but he he didn't play long enough.
3: Yeah. And and I had a friend of mine just say it's easy. It's Curtis Samuel. He had his best season here. Well, first of all, he didn't have his best season here. 2022 was actually a better season for Curtis Samuel. I looked it up just real quickly because I was curious as to how much better this season was than last season. He had 64 catches in 2022 for 656 yards. Uh, this year he had 62 catches for 613 yards. Both seasons had four touchdowns. I mean, I thought Curtis Samuel had a really good season um, for him uh, and compared to um, – well, not compared to last year. Uh, but I didn't think it was Brian Robinson Jr.'s season. Uh, Brian Robinson Jr., week in and week out, probably made my list of things that I liked from the game more often than anybody else did. I would I would bet he did. Uh you know, he just – he's going to be a guy that if Ben Johnson gets the job – I mean, hes he, he actually, I think, is a little bit more physical of a runner than David Montgomery in Detroit. Um, but they're going to have to find the home run hitter. I mean, Gibbs is a total home run hitter in Detroit. I mean, he's a difference maker for that offense. I think Gibson could be something. Maybe not Gibbs-esque, but I, at least I still love Gibson. But, but Brian Robinson Jr. had um, some – some outstanding games. You know, I'm, I'm thinking about the the game against Seattle. Uh, he had a bunch of receiving yards. Um, he had a really uh, t- tough running day uh, in terms of you know important yards against New England and that defense. He played really well in the Philly games in particular, um, the one at home. Um, yeah, he had in the Seattle game I'm looking at it right now. He had eight carries for 38 yards and he had six catches for 119 yards in that game including that, that incredible 51-yard touchdown.
2: We had two he had two long catches cuz he had another yeah, right. one that was like the similar play just one for like 40 some odd yards. Right. Um to be honest, right. I actually don't hate the Curtis Samuel pick. It's just we, we, we've been so accustomed to Curtis Samuel not necessarily living up to expectations. It did feel like there were some games this season where he was a very valuable member to the the offense, but his numbers would never back him as being MVP.
3: I think that it's you could say that, you know, you couldn't say it statistically because his numbers were better last year, but I do think that this was a better year for Curtis Samuel in the way he was used. Like, I, I, you, he was a weapon for this team this year. I mean, they didn't have a lot of success at any point, but when they were going through that one stretch early in the season, midseason, where they were more than competent offensively, he was a big part of what they were doing. Uh, You know, I'm looking at his numbers to find out his best games. Well, his best game in terms of catches and yards was the blowout loss to Dallas on Thanksgiving. He had nine catches for... 100 yards uh, in that game. He didn't come close to a 100-yard day in any other game this year. You know, another game in which he had a big game was another blowout loss to Chicago. I I didn't remember necessarily his his best games coming in blowout losses, uh, which may account for some of the numbers. But I did feel like at times he was a bigger part of what they were trying to do Um,
2: he graded out decently well on pff this year too
3: he did compared to terry
2: yeah i mean terry was terry graded out for the season at 75.1 and curtis samuel was 69.7
3: okay where was that on the list of receivers how far down were both of them
2: uh terry was 35 and curtis was 53 Yeah,
3: there's there's not going to be much of a conversation because of, you know, team results matter, individual statistics matter as well. But there's not going to be a lot of the wide receiver offseason conversation where people are putting Terry McLaurin into the top ten, like some people have the last couple of years. And I thought certainly off of, you know, um, recent years, he certainly deserved to be in that conversation just outside the top ten. But he, there are just so many receivers that have ended up with and have emerged as truly elite in the NFL. And you're going to count 13 or 14 of them minimum before you get to Terry McLaurin in this particular offseason. Because think about the guys, you know, Denton, that maybe people didn't have last year. A lot of people really – I mean, you and I were talking about him last year, and I'm not saying we were the only ones, but I think a lot of just casual fans had no idea who Amon Ross St. Brown was last year. CeeDee Lamb took a step into the elite conversation. He was not there last year. Um, uh, Obviously, we didn't even know who Puka Nakua was this time last year. <laughs> right. You know, and he caught 110 balls or whatever he caught this year uh Garrett Wilson hasn't had a quarterback but I think people understand how about just the conversation that we've had about Kyle Hamilton in recent weeks and knowing that Washington could have selected him and we've talked about that many times and and that that would have been my pick at 11 but they traded back they got a I thought a good player in Dotson and they got all those players from the trade but really the player that New Orleans went up to get in the trade has been a really good player in Chris Alave. I mean, Alave's had seasons here in his first two um, that are basically Terry McLaurin seasons. You know, not Jahan Dotson seasons, more like Terry McLaurin seasons. He had 87 catches this year for 1,123 yards. So, you know, there are just guys, you know, the guy in Houston, the rookie in Houston, why am I blanking on his name? That had all the catches this year. Uh, Tank Dell, well, Tank Dell, but no, the or, other, the uh, big Nico guy, Nico Collins. Sorry, Nico Collins, the six foot four guy. Um, you know, you just end up Zay Flowers. You know, people are going to start. Ridley was back and had a good year. Ayuk is definitely now in the conversation of r- top tenish kind of receivers, don't you think? But man, when you start going down the list of them, there are just so many great receivers. In the NFL. Um, all right, give you a shot. Who's the team MVP for 2023? CBS Sports says Terry McLaurin. Denton says Brian Robinson Jr. I'm giving you Sam Cosme. That's what kind of year Cosme had. He had the fourth-best PFF grade in the NFL for the position, and over the last six to seven weeks, he was top two in the NFL playing the guard position in the league. That's how good Sam Cosme was this year. I think Cosme was the team's MVP this year. A lot of you are like, well, you can't name anybody from the offensive line. I just did. 301-230-0980, our Ace Law listener lines are open Who do you have as the team's 2023 MVP? Not an easy call. Take some of your calls next.
2: We'll start with a little bit of breaking NFL news. The Pittsburgh Steelers are expected to hire former Falcons head coach Arthur Smith as the team's next offensive coordinator. You'll remember... Arthur Smith had a great run as the offensive coordinator with the Tennessee Titans, taking them to the AFC Championship game before heading to Atlanta. In the NBA, Wizards get a big 118-113 win over the Spurs. Kuzma Gafford, Jones Poole, Bagley, and Koulibaly all in double figures. It's their first win streak of the season, now 9-37 and on the year. They're off today. They're home Wednesday against the Clippers. And that's what's trending.
3: You put in the hours,
4: the energy, the tough labor.
3: You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. There are any number of reasons you might consider selling your home. That's where an agent who is a realtor comes in to
5: navigate the process to sell your home in a way that's right for you. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors.
3: Change of plans because Doc Walker was just hanging out in studio. And so when you have Doc Walker hanging out in studio, you bring Doc Walker onto your show, especially if he's willing to do it, which he always is for me, which I've always appreciated about Richard Doc Walker. By the way, 41 years ago today, Super Bowl 17, 41 years ago. Do we have Doc?
6: Oh, yeah, I'm here. Hey, coach. Anytime, like I say, you get a guy that stiff you, I'm your guy. Always on demand, always <laughs> ready to be to fill yeah, in for I, you. Yeah, I, you called know, utility, player, I called Cooley, I called
3: Smoot, Santana, none of them could do it. Yeah. And so I appreciate you being available I'm for me. I'm glad
6: to be on that <laughs> list of guys you call when people stiff you and it's an honor for me welcome back and uh <laughs> glad to see that you're uh you know back and doing what you do
3: um 41 years ago today you won a, your your championship uh in Super Bowl 17
6: yes yeah, scary it it uh, thank god it doesn't feel like 41 years but how do you know what 41 years feels like until you're there and all I know is watching the championship games which we were undefeated in that I can say with great pride, and feeling for Detroit and Baltimore. That's the game I never wanted to lose because you don't get to go and enjoy the week that we got to enjoy out west. And I was lucky because it's at the Rose Bowl. So, you know, two big wins, Rose Bowl victory over Ohio State, and then beating the Dolphins in that building. And that building to me is really special. I just can't believe it's 41 years ago, but, you know, Thank God we can still talk about it.
3: You know, the game exists on YouTube, as does your Rose Bowl win um, over Ohio State. I've watched them both, and I've seen Big Doc Walker, Rick Walker, um, as you were referred to in the Rose Bowl, Rick Doc Walker in the Super Bowl. But in the Super Bowl, Doc Mm -hmm. had a reverse for like six or seven yards. They ran a, a tight end reverse to Doc, and he had a screen that went for 27 in the game. Um, You were significant on two drives in the first half of that game before you handed it over to 44.
6: Well, again, I'm a little surprised at you because you're a guy that goes in depth and you realize two plays, but what about, I mean, we, we ran some great counters, Jake and I, you know, Joe and Donnie, and we had some outstanding run game participation, but it surprises me that you would only mention the obvious, and no, not I focusing well, on the dirty work that we did with great pride. That's I thought kind of that was a given.
3: Me. You know, it really it, it shouldn't me. surprise no, I you. I Expect you,
6: more out of you. I'm looking you're for the not highlights. The normal kind of guy that's peripheral and looks at only the obvious. So if you don't it have was the ball games, so, does that mean you didn't participate?
3: That you It weren't was a contributor? so good though. What? It was so good watching you. Yeah. On that, on that, that on that quick screen which you took off and ran with, I don't think people, when they think of of Doc, they think I think they think of you as a hog, and they think of you as part yeah. of that group and the and the ringleader of of a group that was in the trenches, but. Doc was a track guy hey, Denton, Denton in high school. Doc had big-time athleticism and speed, a history, and Joe General? took advantage of it of giving you the ball every once in a while. No, you, That's I all. I just, just wanted to highlight your me. two, two you know plays what? with the ball in the hand. Do me a favor. And, I appreciate
6: yeah. you. You know I love you like a brother. But every time you always go in reverse with me. <laughs> First of all, I'm currently employed. Okay? It may not be on your level, but i am employed and you always make it sound like anybody i just want to you, talk about live how live great you were
3: band. i, I want to trip. find out about forward. your ucla days no, walking into you know
6: Pauly, talking to ago, john wooden I can't go people into are interested in your way. life i can't go to cvs and get anything for that okay
3: yeah, but it doesn't and you matter belittle
6: me. every this, time i come on with are, you
3: all you do what do you do do tell me your job is, is to reverse. do what do you tell me all the time your job is to do to entertain, right? Absolutely. People are entertained no, when they hear do, you know about We're looking for Doc a coach Walker's here in his life.
6: Team to save this bombshell organization, <laughs> you know what I mean? And there you go. We got it. This is championship Super Bowl. Two teams in the Super Bowl. Two teams that are disappointed because they threw up all over themselves and gagged. And then you're going back 41 years ago, and people mm-hmm. are probably changing the channel. So talking about blame you. Em.
3: I don't want to talk about the. I've been talking about the Super Bowl for for the, the entire show, I know the championship listening. games. People want to hear about and you, know you every once in a can while, I but to you're you too as humble. That's fine. Can um I say
6: something to you as a brother? Yeah, um, um, Denton Day. His segment is phenomenal, and I swear he's to great at everything he does. No, I understand that, but when I get the pleasure of filling in for you when you're go- when you got golf engagements. And when you're doing that pickleball thing, and congratulations on that. Um,
3: but <laughs> I don't even know what you're talking oh, about. come
6: on. I you, haven't played pickleball in a year a and a half. You're I'll a tell coach. you what I'm
3: focused on. I'm focused on getting one of those ice tubs so I can get my back oh, yeah. back into shape. Hey,
6: how about the Terps?
3: Yeah, I, they're playing better. Yeah.
6: Yeah, how about you? With Hey, congratulations. Back-to-back wins for Le Boulay. I mean, that's <laughs> – come on, man.
3: he hates
6: Um, hates being in real time
3: do you have a preference on the new coach no no
6: my guy is already already got job so I'm out
3: you wanted Harbaugh
6: I want to win now yeah I want to win I want to guarantee yeah Yeah, absolutely
3: um why would I take there's no wait a
6: minute hold tight you didn't want Harbaugh
3: no, I would have loved Harbaugh. Oh, yes, 100%. What I'm percent You acting like I was like I would have, I loved, like a I would damn have been alien. okay with Belichick. Who the hell I would have, have loved loved No, I don't Brable. want
6: Belichick. Because Why? Belichick's agenda, first of all, it doesn't comply with my timeline, timeline. Mm-hmm. And that his you loyalty. No, his loyalty yeah. is to guys that aren't very good coaches. See, and I don't want Josh McDowell. I don't want I don't want any of them losers here. Mm. See, and, he, and that's what good coaches, they go down with their troops. And I admire him for that but I don't have time for that. You know, um, future now. Have loved I'm like Harbaugh, George Allen.
3: Would have loved Rabel. Would have loved Rabel. I, I don't I, even I've know why. Listening. I don't know why we didn't interview Rabel. I
6: like him a lot because he is kind of like a throwback and newbie and a stud, and he's not a insecure freak. You know, he – yeah, so it's amazing. And you know, we had the boss – just walked in. This could be. Could I be here at a moment in breaking news on the Kevin Sheehan show? This is unbelievable. Right what's now, what's the breaking news? I don't know. But Denton Day. Do is we good. have it? The boss is in right now. He's talking to Denton Day, and here we go.
2: All right, we just got word that Ben Johnson is is staying in Detroit. He's not going to take the Commanders or the Seahawks job. So he's staying with the Lions for another season. Oh my. God. Oh, and that's from uh, Tom Pelisaro. He had it. Tom Pelisaro, yeah. I see it right now. My gut, Un- my gut is so
6: good. I should put my gut up for market. You can leave them kids after that loss. You talking about unfinished business. That was emotion, man. That's the commitment to his guys. And I'm not mad at him at all. The thing when they lost, the way they lost, what bothered me, because I think he's going to be good at whatever he decides to do. But I was thinking, how do you leave Caveman after he's being ridiculed for making calls? And you know damn well the calls were good. That Ben called. The guys couldn't catch. Not his fault. They couldn't catch. But yet and all, if he bailed out on that city the way they had 35,000 in an empty stadium to watch a game on television, can't leave that dude. I'm, I have more respect for him now than ever.
3: Well, that's one way to look at it, I guess. Uh, I the other way to look him. at it is that he didn't love the opportunities in Seattle or Washington, which obviously, well, I'm guessing were both, we're both available to him. I, th- this could be also... A pos the the possibility exists that after interviewing Ben Johnson face to face, Washington and Seattle perhaps weren't as impressed with him as they were <laughs> in their virtual interviews and they were going to go in different directions. You never know. Yeah, There's cool. a lot yeah. I- I- that that is uh, unknown at this point. Um you know, when you have a shot, he, he stayed in Detroit last year, Doc, when he was getting overtures to be a head coach I know. and decided to stay and and see it through, which he did, to two playoff wins, which Detroit hasn't had since 1957. I loved it. Um, I would imagine that if he's as good as everybody claims he is and that mm-hmm. offense was fun to watch mm-hmm. this year, he'll have opportunities next year as well. I'm shocked, though. He'll have Completely every year. No, floored. How could you, be
6: shocked? you called it.
3: I'm no, driving I didn't. in, listening. What are you to talking you about
6: when listening to you coming in, and they were doing in the, the interviews. What's going on with Seattle? And you said, "Hey, for a young man, this program is garbage."
3: No, no, no. I I, I said as it relates to Seattle or Washington. Exactly. I think it's closer than a lot of our fans think it is, which is the best job in the NFL. I think it's closer. Seattle's got some history. Seattle's got a good roster, but he's not taking that job either.
6: No, no, but your um, point So now was we valid. go to
3: okay, what's next? Yeah. Well, they are interviewing Aaron Glenn today in Detroit as well. Um they interviewed Dan Quinn this morning. I was told 2 weeks ago that in their first a get together with Quinn that Quinn was super impressive. Right. Um, the other offensive guy that's still out there is Slowick, right? Slowick did not commit back to Houston for another year as a coordinator. Yeah, I like, her. Um, I like him. But I think they he haven't did the best
6: job because he took a baby.
3: Yeah, you know my guy. Yeah, he, he did. had the
6: first pick in the draft, and everybody's you know going like, oh my god, are you serious? Yeah, you know do that with oh come here and do that with with our guy. Then, then you get my attention. I never bought into that, but it doesn't matter. It's not my decision. We got a guy I trust. He's a Bruin, making these decisions. And but you hit, you nailed it this Peters morning. Me driving in, everybody. If you're young, this place is not what it I is to us.
3: I, I I appreciate the the confidence. I didn't hit on anything. I just suggested that Seattle is also a really good job. But he didn't take that one either. Nobody saw this coming. That Ben Johnson was gonna stay in Detroit. Not even Adam Schefter, right, Denton, in his discussion with McAfee, suggested that Ben Johnson was gonna stay in Detroit. He just said there's a chance he won't end up in Washington. So now, for those just you know, tuning in, Doc's with me, Denton's with me, Tom Pelissaro broke the news just a few minutes ago. Lions offensive coordinator Ben Johnson informed Washington and Seattle that he is staying in Detroit. What I don't know at this point is if he actually had his interview today with Washington. He did reportedly interview in person with Seattle last night. That was according to some Seattle sources. So maybe it was the Seattle job that he was perhaps interested in and after the interview, decided not as interested. Who knows why Ben Johnson's going back to Detroit? Maybe it's what Doc said. He actually wants to just go back for a lot less money than he well, would have earned uh, as a head coach. Kevin, to according to uh,
2: to Nikki, the reason yeah, is he wants, he wants to win a Super Bowl. And he thinks he mm-hmm. can do that with Detroit rather than coming here <clears throat> and doing that either here or with Seattle. Mm-hmm.
6: Yeah. Yeah. I well, trust Nikki, but I'm just telling you, dog. I'm driving. I the boy Kevin. He nailed it. To us, we love this. To this guy, man, bon- this could be a bonfire. And he's and he you thirty-five thousand in an empty building to watch a, sc- a game on a screen in a town. The way they woke that town up It's like us winning here with Joe. Had it been so time, you don't leave that. You don't
3: leave that. Yeah. So. um, Ben Johnson not going to be the new head coach here. So now who who the, here here are the candidates? All right, they interviewed Mike McDonald and Anthony Weaver in, from Baltimore yesterday. Mike McDonald, the very successful defensive coordinator. Anthony Weaver, Weaver the associate head coach and D line coach. They interviewed Dan Quinn this morning. Uh, apparently, according to Nikki, the interview went well. According to Dan Quinn, now he waits. Again, two weeks ago, I mentioned to you, I thought I had somebody tell me that Quinn, it wouldn't surprise him if Quinn's plan B, if Ben Johnson were to fall through. They also interviewed today Aaron Glenn in Detroit. So they got the two Baltimore guys, they got the two Detroit guys, and they've got Dan Quinn, who the last time we saw him was coordinating a Dallas defense that gave up. 41 points to the Green Bay Packers in a playoff game. But apparently people love Dan Quinn. Doc, perfect timing to be on with me. I appreciate it. I'll talk to you later. Good job,
6: man. Thank you. All
3: right. Doc is sticking around. He's going to be with Chris Russell. We'll keep you posted on all of the news. But a shocker for sure. Ben Johnson staying in Detroit informs Seattle and Washington of his plans. He wants to win a Super Bowl, is what he told both teams Uh, So now we wait to see who it will uh, be uh, in terms of Washington's new head coach. Crazy. Um, Back tomorrow.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what?